Hello, welcome to Red Strike by Track. I'm your host, Darren, and today we're going to be talking about Rainbow Children from The Rainbow Children, uh, recorded uh, early to late 2001 at Paisley Park and released on the 16th of October 2001 as a download, um, and then about a month after that made available on CD. Um, and I don't think actually it got over to the UK here for a couple more months after that, so it was like early 2002 when I bought my copy. Um, on the first track here we have Prince, John Blackwell, uh, Najee, um, Millennia and Claire Fisher. Um, you know, that pretty much is the core band for most of the album. On most tracks you have John Blackwell um, and, uh, you know, Millennia do backing vocals on most of the songs as well. Um, the track is 10 minutes and 2 seconds and joining me to talk about today is Stephen G. Forward. Hello Stephen. Hello, how are you today? I'm doing great. Now, it's worth saying, obviously, this is the first album after Prince changed his name back to Prince. Um, of course, in the interim, I haven't gone to the trouble of referring to him as Symbol every single time he was Symbol, <laughs> um, because I feel like that would have been a little bit tedious. You know, he was Prince, whether or not he was signing his checks with uh, with a Symbol or with his name. I don't think so. Um, you know, that's who he actually remained. <laughs> um, you know, now he, it's interesting because obviously, the, you know, the name change came because his contract with Warners had officially ended. But I feel like Warners had one last kind of like parting shot um, as they released a compilation um, in May 2001 in over here, but 31st of July 2001 um, in America, um, which was the very best of Prince, um, which, I, I mean, looking at the track listing, you'd have to say it is probably the very best of Prince. <laughs> like, no. these are 17, like, really good songs. They came off, like, nine specific albums. The artwork was just, like, the kind of the, the nine album covers that these, these songs came off. So it was, it was quite a nice design, um, you know. And... Prince was originally going to tour, um, you know, uh, Rainbow Children in 2001. Um, but as soon as this kind of greatest hits thing came out, he called that tour off and decided to wait until the following year to tour Rainbow Children. Um, you know, he didn't want to be seen as promoting Warner Brothers, um, <laughs> you know, which I, 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 I find it funny because this is kind of the last time where that will happen, where where Prince kind of you know, avoids being part of Warner Brothers promotional machine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, something obviously that he'd done with previous, you know, Warner Brothers releases, um, you know, most recent to this being The Vault. Right. Um, you know, so officially it's a two-year gap between um, Rave to the, the Joy Fantastic and Rainbow Children. Um, although obviously the work had come out um, as like a, an, an online single, um, you know, which was available to, um, you know, people who are members of the MPG Music Club, um, you know, and uh, I, I mean, I, I remember it getting just a little bit of radio play, not a huge amount, but, you know, just mm -hmm. enough to kind of, so people kind of were aware that Prince had a new album coming out, right. um, kind of around the spring of 2001. Um, and, the, you know, the B-side for that, which is called You Make My Sunshine, uh, was collected later on The Chocolate Invasion. Right. Um, you know, the single itself, you know, obviously not being you know eligible for charts, what with it just being an online release. But I don't know. I find it interesting that in spring two thousand one, Prince is essentially mm -hmm. releasing a single <laughs> through the internet. Yeah. It's kind of you know this is this is just before I feel like iTunes one was kind of uh, created. Yeah, so point. you know there, there wasn't really like a kind of a centralized system yeah. for um, you know uh, kind of accounting for online music sales. Um, you know, she loves for me. For me, was also released um, as a, as a kind of single as well. Um, you know, a, 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 as part of a sampler along with Central Ever After and Digital Garden. Um, you know, but that was an actual CD, although it, you know was not really eligible for any charts either. Um, so you know, and and 
I think the big thing that people kind of know about this album, if they if they know nothing else, they know that this is the point at which Prince uh, became uh, a Jehovah's Witness and, you know, kind of became very religious. Very. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess that's that's kind of the impression that's given, I guess, to the public. But, you know, obviously I've discussed this on many occasions. You know, Prince was not one who kind of right. hid his spirituality. And, you know, he had many songs previous to anything off Rainbow Children you know, that were kind of overtly religious. Um, and also, in this particular case, I mean, you know, aside from the kind of slowed down voice and the occasional narrative, uh, which as I get into this album, I'll kind of discuss, you know, the songs either fall into two categories, which is, you know, narrative songs that kind of push forward the the overall kind of concept of the album, or they just kind of fall into, bizarrely, a lot of them are just like kind of ballads that like he did kind of, you know... And, you know, in terms of, like, being religious, you'd expect maybe that there would be, like, a gospel influence or something on the album, but it's mostly a jazz album. Like, um, jazz you know, fusion, songs, yeah. You know, kind of have, like, a jazz influence rather than, like, a gospel influence. Um, so I would say that's one of the things that, like, you know, I really... I mean, I'm going to put it right out there right at the start. This is, what, this is one of my favourite Prince albums, you know, kind of from the 2000s, um, you know, and... I, th- I think that kind of the new band that Prince had, um, you know, obviously with Larry Graham, you know, you still had the Hornheads, um, you know, playing on, on most of the tracks. Um, and obviously with, um, you know, John Blackwell on drums, um, you know, I feel like that kind of invigorated Prince, you know, like um, it's been a few years since he'd had like a proper band, probably since maybe 95, 96 ish. And the band so on the road. You'd had yeah. a few albums where it was a lot of kind of Prince in the studio alone, kind of double track in, triple track in playing bass, playing guitar, playing the drum, like doing everything. He would kind of turn into a one-man band again. And, you know, I feel like it kind of wore him out a little bit. And, you know, I'm sure people were tired of hearing me talk about how much I didn't like Rave. <laughs> but I feel like it kind of it came through in a lot of those tracks where it kind of felt like Prince was, you know, not fully 100% behind what he was putting out. Um, and with this, you know, with the conversion, with the kind of the name change and obviously, you know, getting married a second time, um, I feel all of that kind of came together and Prince was reinvigorated. And I feel like that really comes through on a lot of the tracks on this album. And uh, I mean, overall, how do you feel about this album? I mean, obviously, you know, what was your kind of memories of when it was released? Because I distinctly remember I remember the work being promoted um you know at the time i was working with a, a you know a couple of people who were actually prince fans and we were kind of anticipating this album we'd all been disappointed by rave and you know this is this is actually quite a long gap like two years in terms of like prince release album you know like that's that's quite a big gap so you know how were you feeling at the time can you remember about like this album coming out obviously a lot of stuff in the press about prince's kind of conversion and you know his second marriage and all that kind of stuff that kind of accompanied this so it's a little bit of both. I think um, for me, this song's genre is, you know, jazz pop, jazz fusion. It's a sort of, in a sense, it's his second gospel albums in terms of religious, you know, or religious themes. And so for me, I remember when it came out, I remember enjoying the sound of it, but it was, I think it's during this sort of Prince jazz period or jazz jazz fusion period where News and some of the other songs on other albums he started to kind of chill to kind of pull back a bit. And this is obviously before um, musicology. I thought the album had a nice sonic feel to it, but I wasn't engaged. And I think um, 
I was listening to the distorted voice. I was replaying it this week, and I said, okay, the d- first distorted voice I think I've ever heard Prince do was on 1999. And so, yeah. that, you know, it opens up, and I was wondering, are they connected? But, you know, 1999 is pretty cold, and Rainbow Children is actually a warmer album. I agree with you. When he's playing with the band, there's I feel like there's more context, and there's a warmth there. Um, but I, I, I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't know what he was talking about and I wasn't moved to find out, (laughs) you know, I was like, okay, so we're interpreting God's message wrong and now it's time to do it right. And the lyrics sort of allude to, and I guess it was confirmed by Mai Tai in her book in 2017 that there, she's one of the banished ones, you know, and now it's time to restart and Manuela's the new person. So I feel like overall the, the song for it's 10 minutes and two, two seconds Sounds good. The things I love about it, I love the chorus. I love the rave up with the um, rise, with the people sort of harmonizing. I think that's really great. But it's several, it feels like three or four songs and it changes. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't really hang together to me that well. But it's interesting because I was excited like you to get something that sounded more um, that Prince was invested in and that he was interested in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't think rave was. Rave was really just... I mean, some songs were old, really old songs that he sort of patched together for that album. Here, I feel like there's a theme, you know, there's a nice theme, you know, there's it's threaded through the album. And so, like I said, I mean, I, I feel I feel compli- um, conflicted about this song. I feel I like it and I don't care for it. And I kind of find like, it, eh, but yeah, it's just <laughs> not my favorite Prince song, but I appreciate it. Do you know? So yeah, if that makes any sense. And yeah, the album did quite well. Um, you know, it, it like it put Prince back on the charts on the the R and B hip hop album charts. You know, he was he was on there for a few weeks. Um, on the independent album charts, I didn't even know this was a chart that existed, but apparently he was there for seventeen weeks. Oh wow! And he managed to get up to number four. Uh, obviously, at this point, he, you know, this album was distributed by Prince. Like he's right. he's, he's got no record contract. Um, you know, and that would remain true for, you know, another five or six years. You know, it, most of the distribution that he did from now on was via the MPG Music Club right. uh, until obviously he turned on the Internet. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, he went with all kinds of other methods of distribution, which obviously we can talk about once we get to later albums. But, yeah, yeah this is kind of, you know, this is uh, I feel weird because this is like the most kind of like vanilla way that Prince released an album from now until you know like 2014 like after this it it like uh, most of it became as much about the the method of distribution as about the content of the album oh, I... um you know and with something like you know news where it's got like four tracks and they're all 14 minutes long yeah like it, it also started beca- become like kind of these interesting experiments where prince was like can i just do this can i can i spend right. a day doing like four different jazz songs and so Which I love. you know this feels like the most straightforward album that prince did like for like at least a decade where, where you know once you get to kind of like 2010 then you're kind of back to kind of more kind of um you know straightforward prints um you know like obviously he also did stuff with like um mpls sound and i'm trying to remember the album that came out the same day as that lotus flower where like he released like three albums all in one day and stuff like that yeah. so you know he started to make it about kind of like the the method of release um, and this was just kind of like, you know, it was available as a download and then a month later it was in shops. Like it, mm-hmm. it wasn't too complicated. 
Um, you know, and as for like the overall story, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. Like it is kind of it, the prince obviously has these kind of, you know, uh, these terms that he's using where he talks about the wise one and the digital garden and, you know, Mender City and, <laughs> you know, the banished ones and all this right. and the seed of knowledge. And like he has like lots of jargon that he's putting in here that he never really explains. We're supposed to be engaged enough to go and to search. And I think had he caught me a decade, maybe a decade and a half earlier, I would have been in it. I would have totally been <laughs> on it. <laughs> and um, But I remember hearing it and going, I'm not sure what he's talking about. And it didn't, and I knew that the impulse wasn't to go on the internet. His Prince's frenemy. <laughs> the internet is yeah. Prince's frenemy. Um, and the, the funny reason. thing is the booklet that came with uh, Rainbow Children, if you like, which has the lyrics in, if you actually look at it, it, it looks almost like it's trying to just tell a story. Like right. uh, some of the choruses that repeat stuff are missed out. So it just, you know, you just get choruses once. So it looks more like it's meant to be like a series of stories. Obviously, the stuff that is said in the slowed down voice, which, you know, obviously we'll return to time and time again on this album, you know, which opens the album. You know, that stuff is put in one font and then the actual you yes. know, songs are put in different fonts. Like it, it, you could read the booklet just as like a story. Of course, you know, a lot of it wouldn't make any sense. Because without the music, I feel like, it, you know, it doesn't really kind of stand alone. Um, no. But, you know, like the, there is something there that Prince is trying to do. Obviously, it's not like he carried this through for like the next five or six albums or something, you know, two no. or three albums down the line. And he completely dropped all of this, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it, like it was just for this one album. But at the same time, I feel like, um, you know, in terms of where Prince was in his life, this this feels like. Although, you know, obviously he's calling My Day a banished one, which, you know, he's not doing it. The thing is, that's not like explicit. Like it's something that you'd have to kind of read into it. Um, you know, unlike some of the breakups where he's kind of been very explicit in certain songs about, you know, not liking someone. Um, you know, so here he's kind of couching it in this kind of this this language. Um, you know, it feels like Prince is reinvigorated. Like it feels yeah. like he's got to focus back. And, and I think that's the thing that makes me like this album the most is just... You can you can feel and I think John Blackwell is, you know, a big influence on this, you know, the interaction between Prince and John Blackwell throughout this whole album, I feel is like the highlight um, and something particularly on this title track. I give you that. Yeah, I think so. I wanted to ask you how you felt about 20 years ago on Controversy, the um, the, t- the titular um, title for this um, for that song. He I mean, actually no, it's sexuality. Excuse me. 1981, Sexuality, the song, Reproduction of the New Breed, Leader Stand Up, Organized. Prince was never too much, he wasn't interested, and he said it a lot, and I think his actions at times uh, reflected this. He wasn't interested in what he did in the past. So I remember when I first heard this, you're kind of, you know, you're accessing yourself, you're riffing on yourself. Um, But again, like, like you said, you can read the booklet as a story, but it doesn't move me (laughs) as a lyric. I'm like, so, okay, so Jesus is, that's the new breed leader. And then we're standing up and we're organizing. It's, it's a bit, I don't know, jarring, I guess. Not jarring, just not, I'm not sure what he's doing. What did you think of that, those, that little? It is, it is kind of interesting that he quotes himself, um, you know, like on Rave, there is a song, I'm trying to remember which one it was now. Uh, I think it's the one with Eve. And he did a remix where he used Nasty Girl as like the basis of the right. remix. And like, so it, it seems like at this point, obviously that, you know, there was, a, there was a reason why in the kind of mid to late 90s, he didn't want to quote his old stuff. And that was because it was owned by a different record company and he didn't want to give one of <laughs> the publicity. Um, but, you know, at this point, I think, him like him quoting a song that is owned by Warner Brothers is interesting because it's like 
well, obviously, you know, the, the kind of the notion of, um, you know, the, the reproduction of the new breed leader stand up organized, which in sexuality was, you know, a kind of interesting phrase anyway. Right. The fact that he's quoting like a Warner Brothers, it almost seems like he's kind of, you know, at peace with the idea of his back catalogue. That's an interpretation. You know, he's willing to kind of dip back into it, even just for one line, just to be like, you know, remember this from, well, I mean, at this point, it is exactly 20 years. Like, yeah, exactly. Those kind of albums, you know, like. And it's it's like interesting that he would go that far back to just be like, well, here's just one line, um, <laughs> you know. And obviously, when you get to the title track of Musicology, you know, and and I can't even remember. I think it's the second track, maybe on Musicology, where he quotes like a bunch of other songs, um, right? You know, and then later on, when you get to like Million Dollar Show, which has like samples of other songs, like going back to his you know first ever track on his debut album. I think this is kind of the first step of him being like comfortable with Absolutely. that back catalogue, and you know, kind of acknowledging that. You know, he's now in his 40s, you know. He's, There's a prince he's not, before he's this. He's not a teenager anymore. Exactly, you know, and he was a sort of, he was, you know, I always said he's playing the punk on, you know, on Dirty Mind and Controversy. And here he's playing the sort of elderly statesman. And it, I guess right now he can afford or feels more comfortable referencing himself and being nostalgic, particularly with musicology. I mean, that whole album is sort of kind of like that. And so, yeah, but I remember thinking that this is not like The Flesh or some of the earlier jazz fusion things that he was involved in with um, with Leeds. With Alan Leeds? Not Alan Leeds. With Eric, Eric Leeds. Eric Leeds. And so so um, Eric has a very, you know, Najee and Eric are very two different saxophones. <laughs> and I tried thinking yeah. about Eric playing on this album. I was like, what, what that, would that have appealed to me more? Because I really like the way Eric plays. And Najee's not bad yeah. here. I mean, he's not my favorite saxophone player, but I thought he was fine. I thought... I think the album, like I said, it's it's that song is very complicated to me. There are parts I like, there are parts I'm not as not as favorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think as well, like this kind of you know, like uh, Prince announcing at the very beginning in this very slow voice, and I mean, this is something I have a problem with this like slowed down voice. I mean, Prince has obviously he's altered his voice in the past previously. I would have preferred if he just sped his voice up because it would have just made some of these songs. <laughs> Two or three minutes shorter, I feel like. You know, like some of the slowed down voice kind of really extends wow. the song. Wow. Uh, but like kind of open it up with this, you know, with the accurate understanding of God and his law, they went about building, the, you know, the work of building a new nation, the Rainbow Children. And that's kind of where we get this this kind of riff comes in. And, you know, it, it's not like there's a there's a, like a huge amount of content in this song. <laughs> you know, uh, Prince kind of interrupts halfway through with the slowed down voice again, talking about the wise one, you know, tempted by the resistor and, you know, um, kind of, I, I don't know, again, like it's not completely clear what was going on, but, you know, like the, you know, the five others who were banished from the rainbow forever and all that oh, kind of it's stuff. But it's mainly around this kind of chorus of, you know, just like the sun, the rainbow children rise, flying upon the wings of the new translation, see them fly, fly. The covenant will be kept this time, just like the sun, the rainbow children rise. And we kind of, we have that a few times through, um, you know, and occasionally Prince kind of comes in with like some spoken stuff about, you know, um, the one who commands your mama with the simple phrase. I <laughs> he, he kind of has like a very laid back kind of yeah. you know delivery of like the spoken stuff, um, you know, which I feel was kind of missing from Rave. Like there was some spoken stuff on Rave that was kind of like, I don't know, a little bit kind of cringy. Whereas here he seems he seems very comfortable, like being this upfront about his his kind of religiosity, which I feel is something that maybe held him back in. I mean, obviously, you know, The Cross is not like a very shy song or anything, but it feels like he never really wanted to be like, 
you know, fully out as someone who was kind of religious, and he always kind of hid a little bit behind like the rock star persona. And so, yeah, so I, I wanted to make a point that Prince is also, you know, if you're my tie, this isn't a great song because you know you're one of the banished ones. That's the first thing. The second thing, Prince is still in mourning. I suspect from his child dying and from his wife's um her um miscarriage. So I, yeah, I yeah. was wondering where I felt like Prince's leap into. Um, the faith, the Jehovah Witness faith was also partly a response to his mourning, you know, you know. And so when I think about that, I think even the sound of the album, it isn't sad, but it's 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 not obviously it's not rave and it's not any of the previous one. He seems sort of subdued in a way, yeah, yeah. you know, even the mixing of it. It's a little lower, I notice. And so I was wondering about how that figure, what you thought about that, you know, because Prince is a human. <laughs> We all thought he was superhuman, but he's a human, and so... If, like, I didn't cover it because, obviously, it was a New Power Generation album, not a Prince album, but, you know, when you have, like, a, a track like Wasted Kisses... Yeah. Um, you know, which is kind of about as close as you're going to get to him, you know, just nakedly mourning, you know, the death of his child, um, you know, and the kind of... Uh, I'm trying to remember the song that has the, the fetal heartbeat in that's on Emancipation. Yeah, I know what it is. I don't have it. Yeah. yeah. Won't come, but yeah. I'm like, it's here, it's here, but, but like, what's the name of it? Um, but yeah. yeah, but like, so I, I feel like, you know, like the, like, it's not like you can point to Rave and say, oh, here's an album of Prince mourning you know, right. the death of his child or, you know, it, 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 like, it doesn't feel like there was ever a whole album that did that. Um, but you're, I mean, like calling this Rainbow Children as well, like, right. it feels like Prince is saying, you know, these people are my children, but they, it's just because we're part of the same religion. It's not because they're actually my children. And it just, it feels like him kind of trying to take a paternal role, mm-hmm. um, you know, but not really kind of, but not actually being a father, um, you know, and there, there is kind of a little bit of that. And I, I, I agree, like, the, like, I feel like the kind of the jazz influence makes a lot of the songs sound more kind of mournful because there's a lot of kind of minor chords in here. There's a lot of like kind of augmented ninths and various kind of complicated kind of jazz stuff that yeah. immediately makes the song sound sadder than they probably actually are, you know, um, you know, and this is meant to be like a call to, uh, to, to arms, like at the very end where you have like the rise, 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 rainbow children, rise, like that kind of, mm-hmm. there's, there's like a, I'm trying to remember what it's called now, where the chords change, but there's, there's like a chord change there where it, it feels like it's meant to be a call to arms, but it's done in such a minor chord that you're like, oh, are we meant to be happy about this? Or is is this like a mournful thing? Like it like it, it feels like sometimes the intention of what Prince is trying to do doesn't really match kind of the mood of the music. Like right. the grooves that he's doing are, are kind of tr- meant trying to be upbeat, but they just can't quite get there. So they end up feeling a little melancholy. Um, yeah. You know, and I feel like that is kind of over most of the album. There's a lot of tracks on here that I'll talk about as I get to them that do have that kind of melancholy feel. That's a very good point. And so the name of the song was called Sex in the Summer. That's his Gregory's heartbeat. Yes. You know, Um, so that lives on forever, you know, in that song. And I also I feel as if, yeah, there's no album I can point to or a lot of songs where he kind of. But uh, but like I said, he's a human, and so it's hard to listen. It's not hard to listen to Rainbow Children. Overall, I think it's a decent, it's a good album. It feels um, a little sad. I'm glad you brought up melancholy. That's a good word for it. Yeah, and also yeah. the idea you you're such a controlling person in the studio, you know, with your band and your public image, and here something that you could not control at all, you know, um, the dis- dissolvement of your marriage and you know your children. 
so I definitely feel like, and then also this it's called Rainbow Children, you know, <laughs> as you yeah. mentioned, it's um, it's something to think about. It's definitely something to think. And I think it's interesting as well that obviously, you know, the first single was The Work Part 1, uh, which of course we never get a part two. <laughs> I uh, know. I'm just like, so this is not the 45 uh, <laughs> life. You know, we can't turn it over and you got, four, you know, The Work Part 2. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that that's very much a song about kind of um, not giving up worldly possessions, but putting your religion above everything else mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. doing the work, you know, like. Um, you know, there is a thing in here where they say, you know, willing to go door to door to spread the message and stuff like that. So it's like pretty clear. Yeah, you know, that, that's, that's where it kind of gets more explicit as to what, it, you know, this album is about. Um, but yeah, so like it, it, it's kind of Prince signaling with the first single that comes off the album, like, you know, this is going to be about the work, you know, like this is going to be about spreading, you know, the, the word of the Lord. And then the rest of the album kind of almost follows that. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, but like we say, you know, the melancholy is there, you know, it, 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 it's hard for Prince to kind of suppress it. It's like, you know, it's still a few years on, but it, it still feels like until we get to it's interesting that, you know, after this, you know, he did like, you know, the uh, One Night Alone, which is just him and a piano. And then he basically did two instrumental albums uh, and yeah. before he did musicology. So it's almost like it took him to that point. And then musicology does feel like the first album where he there is nothing on there that is mournful. Um, you know, right. and it is basically him back in kind of party mode and, and upbeat and, you know, and it's it feels like he's trying to be upbeat on this album, but he just can't help. But, you know, occasionally, you know, I'd it, agree it with that. It's a little bit kind of sad. sad. I agree with that. Um, Absolutely. As an opener, I'm, I mean, I think you're right. You know, 10 minutes it is a little bit long and it does kind of go through these little kind of transitions where it, it changes from like it opens up being one song and then kind of about three or four minutes in it changes a little bit as Prince comes back in with the voice. Um, and then we have this kind of chorus, you know, repeated over and over. And then, you know, we get the kind of the end with the, you know, the, the, the quote from uh, sexuality and then, you know, Prince kind of comes back in with this rise, Rainbow Children rise, um, you know, which has like the backing vocals from Millennia and, you know, the kind of, I don't know, I, I feel like the, the the great kind of thing on this, you know, like which I probably say on pretty much every track probably is John Blackwell. And I feel like the, the drums kind of give it such a kind of strong groove that, you know, everything else that Prince is piling on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, it feels like it might have toppled over if it was Prince who had done the drums, but because John Blackwell's there, it kind of gives it like a, a firm base where it's like, you can kind of pile all this stuff on. Um, and then obviously Prince finishes the song saying, the wise one who understood the law that was handed down from God long ago, held fast in his belief that the Lord would bring him another one who loved him so. And obviously, you know, that that obviously, that obviously is pointing towards Prince's new wife. Um, so in a way, this is kind of, it kind of finishes as being like a bit of a love song, as if Prince is saying, you know, you were put here, you know, for me by God, which again calls back a little bit to some of the songs on the second disc on Emancipation where Prince had kind of said to Maite you know if I'd ever been with another person it was just because it was practice for being with you the one person who I really love and like that kind of excuse of oh all those other people I went out with it was merely practice you know you are the one true love and it feels like here Prince is taking that to the next level and being like oh everything that came before this that was because God had not placed you in my way (laughs) And so now I'll see you later um, because now um, Manuel's here. And so I like, I want to say two things. One is that I like songs that actually do change tempo and go in other directions and show up. Um, Again, last time I'll say it, I'm conflicted about the song. And it's 
it feels like you can't listen to it alone. It should be listened to within the context of the album. I think it's a richer experience that way because it all, because of the sound, the tempo, the energy of the song, everything feels better. But listening to it alone as a song, it's it's not as intriguing. Yeah, I think this is this is the weakness of a number of songs on this album, and obviously something I'll discuss as I get to them. But like the the songs that kind of push the story forward. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like this, like Digital Garden, um, right. I think Deconstruction, Wedding Feast, which of course, <laughs> um, you know, is a fun 54 seconds. Um, you know, like even the final three tracks, which feel like, a you know, a 24 minute song, essentially, <laughs> because, you know, they're, 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 even though they are three di- distinct tracks, they're kind of so heavily connected with the overall story um, that you, like it's hard to listen to those songs alone and kind of, you know, grade them. Um, whereas tracks like, you know, Muse to the Pharaoh or Mellow or, you know, uh, She Loves Me For Me, like those songs kind of stand out by themselves. And so, yeah, it is it, for me, it's going to be quite hard to kind of grade everything on Rainbow Children simply because, you know, stuff that is part of the narrative, like you say, it's it it, it works with the whole album. But by itself, it's kind of it's kind of odd because it's like, well, you know, it, it starts and finishes with Prince doing this slow down voice thing and you know, you're kind of like, well, what is that all about? And, you know, as a standalone track, I mean, I think the live version that's on the One Note Alone live, I think that's, you know, a really good version of the song. Uh, It goes on for like another two minutes longer than this version. Uh, But it kind of, it showcases the band. And I think that's like, that's one of the really good things about this song is because it is, because the basic structure of it is so kind of simple, it does give Prince the opportunity when he does it live to kind of showcase the band. And that kind of makes a song work a bit more as a standalone song. But yeah, as part of that, I mean, I would say overall, I would say four out of five because I just, I like the sound of this album. And even though it is hard to kind of pick songs apart, I feel like four out of five is kind of my average anyway for this album. (laughs) So if you're going to say it has to be listened to as part of the whole, I would say, yeah, it is. It fits. It's about four out of five for me, maybe a three and a half, but you know, if you're kind of saying by itself, but I, I, you know, I feel I'd have to give it a four. I originally gave it a three out of five, but then as we were talking, I was like, well, there are thing, other things I do appreciate about the song. So I'm giving it 3.5. Yeah, three, <laughs> 3.5 out of five. Yeah. So like I said, Prince, you know, he performed this on the One Night Alone live tour. Um, you know, he was going to tour in 2001, but called it off. So that kind of tour then lasted a little bit longer. It, like it spent like two, almost two years touring, um, you know, so it kind of transitioned from being a tour for Rainbow Children to a tour for One Night Alone to like a tour for, you know, the kind of the next couple of albums. So, like it just turned into this into this kind of very, very long tour um, that, that kind of took in a lot of songs. Um, but then after, you know, 2003, Prince basically didn't perform this song again. Um, and I think that's something that's kind of common with Rainbow Children um, and and the kind of the albums that followed after this. A lot of the material that he performed here once musicology came out, it felt like that was the definitive turn that Prince made back towards kind of, you know, commerciality and, you know, kind of back towards the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, then if you're going to tour from that point on, throwing out a song from Rainbow Children, unless it's unless it's the opening of like a tour that is based around this album, it feels like you couldn't really play Rainbow Children like in the middle of a set and have right. it make any sense. Maybe, or maybe a segment of a song from Rainbow Children during another set, that kind of thing, where you've got to go, oh, that's from such and such. Oh, you know, that's kind of interesting. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. So he basically kind of stopped performing it after that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, like I, I feel like this is a good, you know, this is a strong opening to the album. 
Um, you know, and also it is very kind of indicative of what the rest of the album is going to be like. It's not like you could listen to this song and then listen to another track on the album and be shocked. Right. Like most of the album is kind of in this in this mode, you know, like there's not not that it's all kind of samey or anything, but like there's a certain kind of there's a certain kind of production sound that Prince has used for this album. There's a certain kind of playfulness between him and John Blackwell. And that kind of then it becomes what the rest of the album is really about. Um, you know, and then obviously, you know, that that kind of partnership between Prince and John Blackwell continued for a few years after this. And I feel like, you know, it was the backbone of Prince kind of finding his way back towards the mainstream. So, uh, yeah, you know, so it's it's a it's a good it's a good opening to, to the album. And, you know, obviously, uh, like, I feel like Rave was a bit of a slog for me. Like, it was a little bit hard to kind of get through. It was a so, hard album. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I will enjoy, I'll be enjoying Rainbow Children a bit more than uh, than I did Rave. <laughs> Um, so yeah, but anyway, I feel like we said about as much as we can about the Rainbow Children. Um, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Stephen? Yes. Um, over, I'd say about two and a half months ago, my partner and I decided we would um, open up a consulting company called the Nomadic Archivist Project. It's an initiative that partners with organizations, institutions, and individuals to establish, preserve, and enhance collections that explore the African diasporic experience. Um, you can find us at Nomadic Archivist with an S project, archivistproject.com. And right now we're actually collecting our Black Black Podcast Archive identifies, collects, and catalogs podcasts relating to social justice, culture, and politics from around the world as it relates to the Black experience. And so you can contact us with any information at the nomadic archivist project.com forward slash contact and you can find us on facebook at prince track by track or on twitter at prince podcast or you can email us not sure where you would at prince track by track at gmail.com and i feel like this is something i haven't said in like 300 something episodes but you know obviously um you know it'd be nice if people subscribed on itunes or if you feel so you know leave us a rating um so thanks once more for being my guest here Stephen. thank you very much and otherwise, bye-bye. Bye-bye.